We've been studying this in Sunday school, and uh, but with the help of the Lord tonight, we want to begin just a, kind of a series that runs along with our Sunday school. And um, uh, he's a man worth knowing about. He's a, a prophet that's well worth reading about. One of the things about the Word of God, the Word of God is ever-current. God gives a prophet a couple thousand years ago a message. But today, on Father's Day in 2018, as we look at our culture and the shifting of our culture, the Word of God is as relevant as it's ever been. It's as real and as powerful as it's ever been. And it means everything to this generation and much as we see our world and where it's heading. God moves a man to begin to preach to a nation to try to reclaim them, revive them, if you will, back to the place they need to be. And tonight, with the help of God on this Father's Day, I'd like to preach on the man God uses. Now don't get hung up on gender there. God wants to use ladies. God wants to use young men. God wants to use young ladies. And there's no double standard the same qualifications that God's going to lay down here, He lays down to everyone. Matter of fact, I'm glad and I'm thankful that God is still choosing to use us. So if you got your Bible, let's stand together. In Jeremiah chapter number 1, that's page 772. If you don't have it by now, begin verse number 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now, I don't know what the abortion crowd's going to do with that. I don't know about what they're going to do, the crowd that says, Life doesn't start at conception. I don't know what they're going to do with that verse. I got a hunch it's going to tie them up. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth... Out of the womb I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go out to do all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of the faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, 
I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Drop down, if you would, to verse number 19. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. One more verse. Look at verse 12. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. The man God uses. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Brian Collins, how about leading us to the throne of grace? Amen. You be seated. G. Campbell Morgan said this, For a people to boast in the glory of the past and to deny the secret that made the past is to perish. Jeremiah was perhaps 20 years old when God call, God's call came to him. Now that varies a lot with different writers, but we do know this. He was a very young man. And he was called in the 13th year of Josiah's reign. Jeremiah is one of the most dated books there is. God was very specific in letting us know the era and the life and the times, if you will, that Jeremiah wrote. And though at first Jeremiah hesitated when God called, he does surrender to the call of the Lord. And tragically, however, the people who most needed him and need his leadership and needed to hear what he had to say rejected him and turned their back on God's word. Now, there's a lot of reasons why he hesitated. Verse 1 and 1 tells us the task was very demanding. Another reason, the times were very difficult. There was rebellion instead of obedience. Reformation instead of repentance. There was politics instead of principle. And it was a very, very difficult hour that he had prophesied in. Not only that, the servant was doubtful. Verse 4 through 10, you'll find that uh, he, he was very, very doubtful time. I think today there's never been an hour when I've seen men that used to stand for truth used to stand firm on the Word of God and were uh, what they had believed all their life, starting to move, starting to shift. Heard this week a man that had been a, 
a, a, a, one of the most strongest independent Baptist, fundamentally independent Baptist preachers you ever, you, you would have ever known, uh, led his church into a Southern Baptist convention this week. So there's a great deal of people moving along. And, 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 and sad to say, sad to say, there's a lot of preachers in our day have moved and become more about the politics of their church than the power of God. Or what's powerful, what will help people. Someone is saying, if you ask a politician what to do, he's going to tell you what, what is popular. If you ask a diplomat, he'll say what is safe. But if you ask a true leader, a man that God can use, he will ask you, is it God's will? And is it right? I loved this past week. And one of the things that, that really, really was, it wasn't a time to get filled up to shout. It was a time to get refocused about why, why we do what we do. Why am I a preacher? Where's God in my life? I fear that a lot of people that say they're saved, and, and I'm going to be very, very, very candid with you tonight. And, and uh, I may be preaching to the choir here, I don't know, but, but, but I'm very concerned about people that say have a salvation that never changes them. It never becomes something that's real to them. And, and uh, I'm a little bit concerned about that, uh, about a salvation. Uh, there was a day when folks got saved. They, they was broken and there was tears and there was, a, there was a remorse about their sinful life. But now there seems to be a salvation that, that we get up, popping our chewing gum, and going by doing the same things we've always done. And, and that's alarming because that's a great deception. Because the truth is, God sees us as we really are. What we really are is what we are. Amen. Lord McCollin wrote, It is difficult to conceive any situation more painful than that of a great man condemned to watch the agony of an exhausted country and to see the symptoms of vitality disappear one by one till nothing is left but coldness, darkness, and corruption. And that was the time that Jeremiah was called into. Jeremiah was a preacher's kid. His father, Hilkiah, and I won't go into the whole story, was a very powerful man. There, under the reign of Josiah, Second Kings, Josiah orders the cleaning up and repairing of the house of God. While they're repairing the house of God, Hilkiah finds the, the copy of uh, Moses' law, the Word of God. He takes it to Josiah, and it literally becomes an instrument. God sends great revival. As a matter of fact, it's one of the greatest revivals that ever took place in the nation of Israel. 
But then, Josiah began to fight battles that he should not fight. He began to get in a battle. And so the revival was very short-lived because the man that God used greatly got sidetracked. It looked right. It looked good. It looked like what he ought to do. But yet God says, Josiah, don't meddle in this. Leave us alone. But he wouldn't. He went and fought the battle. God killed on the battlefield. It was during this reign that Jeremiah comes on the scene. And so Jeremiah would be a man God could use. I don't want to believe. I, I, trust me. If I have my allotment, I've got 10 years. Now don't tell nobody, but I've done ask God for 10 more. And when I get close, I'm going to ask you for 10 more. But I've got, if, if I get what God's allotted me, I've got 10 years. And if there's one thing I want God to do, I don't want to be shelved. I don't want to be put on a shelf where God couldn't use me. And second, I want God to use me. I don't want to rust out. I want to wear out. I don't mind coming to the end of this thing and God saying, man, you just... You've just worn yourself out for my glory. I don't want to set on rust out. God say, man, all you've given me is rust. I don't want to do that. And so I want to be a man that God can use. And let me show you the kind of man God chooses to use. Number one, he's a chosen man. Verse 2, Into whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. In verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, uh, he was chosen, God chose him to be used. Now, I love that. I, I want you to know, when I surrendered to preach, God didn't, whoever's got the cell phone, go ahead and cut it off. I ain't going to talk bad about you, it's happened to me. All right, it's happened to me. Uh, but whenever, whenever I surrendered to God, God called me. God chose me. One of the greatest things you'll ever get a hold of that God would choose to use you or me, either one. Amen. Isn't it wonderful when God chooses to use us? When God chooses to use us as a witness, when God chooses chooses to use us to pray, when God chooses us to be an encouragement to someone else, when God chooses to use us to preach or to teach or to sing about His Word, isn't that a blessed thing when God chooses to use us? Notice, He was chosen personally. Verse 2 It was a powerful call, but in verse 4, it's a personal. And the word of the Lord came unto me. And it's amazing. For the next 40 years, Jeremiah is going to preach God's message to a people that's not going to listen. They're not going to do nothing with it. He's called to be a pillar and a wall a watchman, a physician, a shepherd, a tester of metals, a runner, 
and even a troublemaker. But now she was chosen precisely. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Let me say this. You can't, you, 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 no matter how you slice this, this abortion crowd, that's murder. Because God knows every one of us before we're even born. And but thou camest forth, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified you, I set thee apart. I'm, I'm going to tell you something, that blows a lot of our, our crazy thinking plumb out of the water. You realize that God has chosen you? And you young people sitting here tonight, boy, you sitting here and you fellas sitting over here, you realize that God has chosen you and God has a purpose for your life before you were born. Wow. Wow. God has a a purpose for your life before you're even born. He said, he knew that word sanctified means to be set apart. Jeremiah's life didn't start with Jeremiah. By the way, Jeremiah's salvation didn't start with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's truth did not start with Jeremiah. All of that started with an almighty God in his life that chose him, sanctified him, and saved him. He was chosen precisely. Notice. Oh, I love this. Like Jeremiah, you are unique and prepared for a time in which you live. Well, I love that story. Esther, she's in the, she's in the kingdom. She's the king's wife. And they're going to kill all the Jews. Esther's a Jew. They go to, they go to her uncle. And they, he's mourning. And he sends back word to say, Oh, Haman's going to kill all the Jews. Don't you miss out. You'll be killed too. But she said to her, Who knows that you're not set in the kingdom for such a time as this? And no doubt Esther was put in the kingdom to be able to walk into the king. By the way, had he not extended that sepulcher to her, she would have been killed on the spot, but she extended that out to her. She got grace, and she literally kept an entire nation from being destroyed. Who was it? That's God choosing her for such a time as this. May I say he was chosen particularly. Now ordain thee a prophet unto the nations. God needed, Judah needed her rebellion, a prophet sent by God for God and from God. May I say, the word prophet means to announce. Prophets did much more than reveal the truth. Their message was for present time. Do you realize that God's got a sovereign plan and purpose for your life? Has it ever dawned on you that God has a sovereign plan? Do you realize there's something God has for you that no one else can do? 
Do you realize God has chosen you personally and particularly for His work? And I've said this time and time again. The greatest thing I have is not a material world that so many people are living for. I'm amazed at that. So many are living for another toy, another this, another that. The greatest thing I possess is I know why God put me on earth. Do you know why God put you on earth? Do you really believe God put you on earth to make money? To buy stuff? To have fun? Do you know why God put you on earth? I went to visit a man. Me and Ronnie walked in his room. Sat down by his He's an older man. Had been very well to do. But he wasn't a good man. I'm, by all accounts, he, he wasn't that good a man. But he, he lived for himself. He'd been very selfish in his lifetime. And he looked at me and he said, Would you pray that God would let me know why he put me on earth? And I looked at that man and I said, Sir, why? Why? By all accounts, you're going to be dead in a day or two. He's in a hospice. Go no further there. He said, you're in a hospice. You're not going to live another day or two. Why, why pray that now? Because you're out of time. See, you can't wait till you're on your deathbed to pray, God, why, why are you put me here on earth? That ain't the time to be asking. The time's to be asking you young people right now, God, why you put me here on earth? What's my purpose? Why you got time? Why well, you got time to do something with it? You can't wait till you come to the end and say, why have you put me on earth, God? You've done used it up. You've done, God, there's no point in answering. You ain't got no life to give. Well, I love, and by the way, let me say this. Let me just say that there's nothing in the world greater to my heart than serving God. Nothing. I don't, I don't weigh serving God to the world. I don't weigh that. I don't look at the world saying, boy, I, I tell you what, uh, uh, years ago, I took about 17 people to, to, to pastor school. And, and I was really distorted in my thinking. I, I thought, boy, if I, if I can take them, God would do for them what He'd done for me. Well, I'm going to tell you something. This preacher got a rude awakening. And the rude awakening was this. One, most of them didn't want to be there. Second, they felt they got cheated. We could have went to the beach. We could have went to the mountains. We could have done this, done this. And they totally missed the value of being in that place. Totally missed God in it. Totally missed God. And by the way, let me say this. I've watched that crowd on purpose. Most of them's gone to heaven. And the rest of them's not serving God at all. 
in any, any great capacity. And they had an opportunity to get something from God. And totally missed it. Because it was compared. God's not going to play. Let's make a deal. And God's not competing with this world. As a matter of fact, these churches are foolish. They're foolish to try to bring the rock music in the church. Call it anything you want to call it. But it's rock music. And try to compete with the world. Church ain't got enough money. Can't put up enough lights. You can't compete the world in their game. But I'm glad God's not in the business of competing with the world. He's in, he's coming in and saying, pulling them out of the world. He's separating out of the world. He wants us to live out of the world, not in the world. We can't compete with the world. We're not called to compete with the world. May I say, the world's entertaining. House of God's not a place of entertainment. It's a place of getting help. In a time of need. Boy, it's, it's a place to grow spiritually. And I hope you're growing here. Number one, he was a chosen man. May I say he was a challenged man. It was an hour as Jeremiah 6, 16. Let me read you this. Thus saith the Lord. Here's what God's saying. Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths, whether good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Okay? God said, Seek ye the old paths. Walk in them old paths. Then he said, I'll give you a promise. I'll give you rest for your soul. But notice that verse. But they said, We will not walk therein. May I say, that day's not changed. That day's not changed at all. Jeremiah preached, but they said, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. No doubt in my mind, there's some here this morning, I love them, they're our church, I thank God for them. They heard me preach, but then we all said, no, I ain't going to do that. But here's what you miss. It ain't what I said, it's what the Word of God says. It's not between me and you. It's between you and God. That's where they miss it. And Jeremiah lived in a very challenged day. May I say this? Churches are moving at at a breakneck speed. Right now, it's amazing at the churches that are not having Sunday night service. You'd be amazed. It's amazing that the churches are canceling services. It's amazing, it's amazing at the churches that are having 45 minutes of singing. I'm all for singing. What did these youngers not do good? Amen. Amen. They really did good. Them lessons I gave you is really working. Amen. And they really, they really did good. But they have 45 minutes of singing and 10 minutes of preaching. We are living in a day when people don't want preaching. They don't want to be told the truth. It was a challenge day. I love it. A church made a no excuse Sunday. 
cots will be placed in the foyer for those who Sunday's on my only day to sleep in. There'll be steel helmets available for those who said the roof will cave in if I ever come to church. Blankets are furnished for those who say it's too cold and fans for those who say it's too hot. There'll be hearing aids for those who say the pastor speaks too softly and cotton and earplugs for those who say he preaches too loud. Scar cards will be available for those who wish to list the hypocrites present. There'll be TV dinners for those who can't go to church and cook dinner too. Golf clubs will be available for practice swings for those who like to golf on Sunday. I want you to know immediately Jeremiah came up with several excuses, but he challenged God's choice of him in two ways. He said this. He said, God, I I just can't do this. I'm just not able. I, I don't have the ability He said, oh, Lord God, I can't speak. I can't speak in public. I love this. I just love this. Moses said, God, I got a stuttering problem. I stutter all the time. I can't speak to... And God God said, oh, shut up and take your brother Aaron with you. He'll speak for you. But show me one time when Aaron never spoke. Show me one time in the Bible where Aaron, and and when Aaron and Moses was together, show me one time that Moses ever said, Aaron ever said anything. Moses did all the talking. But he said, I I can't talk. I I can't speak. May I say this? Jeremiah said, prophecy and second coming is not one of my spiritual gifts. See, God said, I love this. God said, don't say that. Shut up. God said, shut up. He said, if I've called you, I don't want your ability. And thank God he he doesn't want our ability. God just wants our availability. See, it's pride that says, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's all about you. But if it's about God, you don't care how well it's done. You're just going to do it for God's glory. And trust Him to give you the ability to do that. I've seen God take people that couldn't do something for God and mold them and fashion them into something wonderful. He said this, His immaturity. He was just about 20 years old. He said, I cannot speak for I'm a child. He's talking about his youth. He said, and and, and by the way, he wasn't the first one. Gideon, when God called Gideon, he said, I'm in fear. I'm I'm just, I'm the smallest, I'm the smallest one of the smallest crowd. We can't do nothing. He was in fear when God called Gideon. When he called Isaiah, he said, I'm in pure, I got lips uh, undone. He called Jeremiah. He said, I'm not able. If God calls you to speak, to sing, to share, or to serve, then there's no excuses. We can't sing, but I like trying. We can't sing, but I want, I, God does my heart while he's there. Sing. See, we need to get past ourselves and truly get to where 
God is something that's important. May I say he's a chosen man, a challenged man. Then let me show you third. He was a changed man. Now I want to tell you how he did all this. Now here's, here's the real secret. Here's the real secret. Now you missed everything I preached so far and you slept through everything I said. And you're thinking about, well, I'm going to eat for supper and the television program. Whatever you're going to do. Let, don't miss this. Here's how Jeremiah could do this. And this is the only way he could do it. But the Lord said unto me, Say not I am a child, but I shall go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. And be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord." Now, here's how God helped him. He said, first of all, Jeremiah, here's how you can do this. He had a touch that empowered him. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Well, I just surrendered to preach. He's got his first message. He's lost it. Oh, shit, I hadn't preached tonight. Just so, hold on to it. I'm going to let him preach in the next week or two. He, uh, he studied it, I hope. He's prepared it, I hope. But I told him when he gets done with all of that, when he gets done with all of that, he didn't have all the points just exactly right and grammatically correct. He didn't check all the spelling, get everything just exactly the line. But I said, then do the hard part, steal away, and ask God to put his hand on it. Because no matter what the message is, if God doesn't empower it, it's sounding brass and dickling symbol. God had to touch his lips. Can I ask you a question? There ain't but a few of us here tonight, and I'm glad you're here. Can I ask you a question? How long has it been since God touched you? I mean, genuinely slipped in beside of where you're at and touched you, spoke to you, and had a word for you. How long has it been? Since God's touched you. Every major prophet, before they ever did a work for God, had to have a touch from God. Every one of them, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, every one of them. It's a touch of purity and it's a touch of power. You don't have to worry about your voice or your ability. He says, I'll be your voice I'll speak through you. I'll give you the words. I'll give you power to stand. I'll give you wisdom and courage. And I will be whatever you need. There's a touch that empowered. Number two, there's a task for which he was equipped. Jeremiah said, I see, I have set thee before, over all the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. He says, I'll, I'll be your ability. And last, a truth that encouraged. Boy, he said this is very a truth. He gave him three interesting images. One was an almond tree. An almond tree 
The word means watcher. He said, I'm watching over you. Then he said, look, and see a seething pot. speaks of judgment that's going to come. But through all of this, through all of this, through all of this, he made this statement. And I love it. It's most powerful. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver. I'm going to show you, read you one poem, and then we'll be done. Jonathan Edwards was marked by physical weakness. He was a very frail man. He was asthmatic. It was not unusual for him to wheeze, cough, hack while he was preaching. He wrote out his sermons word for word. He read them at a very low volume because his voice was so weak. People often had to strain. Historians tell us that Jonathan Edwards, when he was going to preach, when people got there, they would flood to the front. They would many times the actual fights break out in the front. But I, I don't know what kind of denomination they was. I know they wasn't Baptist. But they would fight for the front because they couldn't hear him. And they wanted to hear him. His voice was so weak. He had horrible eyesight. His eyes were so poor that not only did he have to wear thick glasses, but to read them... He would hold the message one inch from his nose. He would read the message just like this at a very low volume. He would preach. His signature message was sinners in the hands of an angry God. And he would begin to preach. And they said why he would preach that very low voice, almost to a whisper, that the power of God would so move that men and women would jump out of their pews and scream on their way to an altar begging God to save them. And not let them die and go to hell. Christians would start crying and weeping would cover the whole room as people got under conviction. He never moved. He never. He just stood quietly, sinners in the hands of an angry God. I've read the message. I've read it. It's nothing, it's not a literary, magnificent message. But it's like all messages. It's not whether literary or not, it's not whether good, it's not whether where they, where, where they should be. Do they have the power of God? And God was telling Jeremiah, He said, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to use you.
to touch their heart. In a day, in a day, when the majority of the people said no. Said no. I don't care what Jeremiah preaches. No. No. One day, trying to think of his name. What was the last pastor of Abbey's Grove? Meant to be with the Lord's Buren Hastings. One Sunday morning, by the way, if this ever happens here, we'll be done as well. Buren Hastings walked in the pulpit one Sunday. And he began to weep. And he said, I feared this day would come. And as he wept, he said that I would preach and no one would hear. He didn't live long after that because Jeremiah had a message and the people refused it. Very little encouragement in Jeremiah. That's the reason he's a weeping prophet. You know why Jeremiah wept? Because if, if, you're, if, you, if you stood where I stood, and if you had my heart for the church, you see what people are doing, and you know that that's not going to turn out good. And you weep for them. Don't get angry for them. You weep for them. Because you know, you know, that's not going to turn out good. And you weep more when you get word down the road. I'm, I'm thinking of a young man. I mentioned his name. Some of you wouldn't know who I'm talking about. I, I watched him as he got out of the will of God. And then he got married out of the will of God. And now he's in a fix and he can't get out of it. I'll weep for him. Because I know what God had for him was so wonderful. And he sold it out. May I say, that's what we need to do. We need to weep for our children. You're not going to make them do anything. But I'll tell you what, I can pray for them and I can weep for them. And God, and God will move on our behalves. That's what you can do. And may I say this, we might not, we should never miss an opportunity to do that. I remember being the story of a lady, mother had a son that's just so wayward. And you remember the penny loafers? How many of you remember penny loafers? How many of you know what, how many of you don't know what penny loafers are? Amen. All the young people have no idea what penny loafers are. I tell you what, uh, well, I'll show you a pair one of these days. I don't like them, but I'll, I'll find somebody that's wearing them. If there's, do they still make them? Yeah? Okay. And uh, uh, he wore penny loafers. He would come in from work and just go get drunk. But a mother decided one day, she said, I can't stop him from going. But she would get his shoes and she would weep and cry over them shoes. She wept so much one day praying for him. She filled his shoes full of water 
He puts his shoes on and he starts cussing around and wanting to know who's put water in his shoes. She said, son, that's not water, that's my tears. He leaves out cussing and goes on flying down the road, but you know, he could not get away from the tears of his mother. He couldn't enjoy his night out. And on the way home, there's a church having me and he's lifting God saved. The first thing he did was come home and tell his mom, your tears made the difference. Have we gotten so far and distant from God, we can't even weep over our own babies. Oh, help us, God, not to be there. Help us to allow God. God's still choosing, using Men and women and boys and girls. Let's all stand to our feet. Do you want to be used by God?